believe that uh, real life and true joy come from pleasing Jesus. <laughs> Fear and guilt come from pleasing man. Again, here it is. Real life and pure joy come from uh, pleasing God. Fear and guilt come from pleasing people. <laughs> uh, I don't know if any of you follow comedy, but one of my one, one comedian that I enjoy is the successor of uh, David Letterman, and that's Stephen Colbert. I'm not endorsing everything he says, but uh, there's one dialogue he had with another comedian I actually like, who's a total atheist, Bill Maher. And I want you to see this dialogue that very few of my friends have ever seen, where Stephen Colbert, again, the new uh, late night uh, successor of David Letterman, takes on Bill Maher and asks, asks him to come back to church. Check this out. Bill, they say uh, at a dinner party you should never talk about sex, politics, or religion. Have you ever been invited to a dinner party in your life? <laughs> is, That's a great that, Chris. Are there yeah. things you won't uh, talk about? I probably wouldn't be invited to your dinner party because we're very opposite, right? Really? How so? Well, like... How are we opposite? <laughs> really? You're married and religious. Yeah, uh, I'm married and I give, it, I give religion a shot. Yeah, I give it a shot. Oh, I thought you were a practicing Catholic. I am. doesn't mean I'm good at it. I'm not. Honest to God. I suck. I suck as a Catholic. Doesn't mean I don't keep going. Well, you, you were raised Catholic, I right? I was raised Catholic. Come on back, Bill. <laughs> the door is always open. It Golden was, ticket it, right before you. All you have to do is humble yourself before the presence of the Lord. Admit there are things greater than you in the universe that you do not understand, and salvation awaits you. Take Pascal's wager. If you're wrong, you're an idiot. But if I'm right, you're going to hell. I do admit there are things in the universe I don't understand. Okay. But my response to that is not to make up silly stories. <laughs> They're pretty or, good stories. Some of them or, are pretty good stories, Or Bill. to believe intellectually embarrassing myths from the Bronze Age. But you believe whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I have a connection to our ancestors because I... I sure. Yeah, sure, I have a... Because, sort of, yeah. you know, these were men who did not know what a germ or an atom was or where the sun went at night, and uh -huh. that's where you're getting your wisdom. Anyway, let's... <laughs> let's not... Let's well, I like not it. argue. I like it. Let's I like not, it. Not, let's I can eat a big bowl of this. This is good. It's tasty. You see, my religion teaches me humility that, in the right, face of this I, kind I, of attack. I, I see that. You brought it up. No, I did not bring anything up. Well, you, you gave me a big lecture on come back to the church. I did not give I gave you an invitation. Steve. A lecture. It's an invitation. What are well, you talking it, it, about? This guy gave me a huge lecture about going to dinner. <laughs> I'll well, eat what I, I want, would, thank you. Would, I'll eat what I want. Italian. I, Italian food. How dare you? I've had more inviting invitations, but, mm. uh, okay. How about that? Anybody seen that? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of boldness to engage people uh, as it relates to faith? Here's Stephen Colbert, formerly homeless years ago, uh, aspiring comedian, now on live with uh, Bill Maher, engages him in matters of faith. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of boldness, that kind of freedom? Here's what I believe. Uh, real life and pure joy, which John talks about in the Gospel of John, come from pleasing God. Real life and pure joy come from pleasing God. Uh, 
fear and guilt come from pleasing people. (laughs) Fear and guilt come from pleasing people. Uh, This morning, I want to ask you, uh, are you a people pleaser? (laughs) How many would just be honest and say, you got me today? Yeah, I'm a people pleaser. Two of us. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Knowing others will disapprove. Here are a few tests. Will you take a, a step towards humanitarian action when you know others might look down on you? Uh, do you obey the controversial? Do you know when the Spirit is telling you to deny yourself and uh, just go for it? In the passage that we've been looking at, it was the Sabbath day at the Sheepgate Pool. Jesus broke the rules. Uh, he broke uh, one of many rules that uh, the Jews taught against. Jesus just healed an invalid of 38 years, and this invalid is doing exactly what Jesus told him to do. He picked up his mat, and he carried it and broke the rules because uh, Jesus told him to obey. Uh, real life and true joy come from pleasing God. Fear and guilt come from pleasing people. Uh, If you came this morning with your Bible or your smartphone, open up to John chapter 5, where I'm going to talk about how you ensure that you are pleasing God and enjoying pure and true joy from John chapter 5, verses 16 and following, uh, after uh, Jesus is uh, having to defend himself for uh, how how he broke the Sabbath rules. Here it is, uh, beginning in verse 16, John chapter 5. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father's always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Let let me just ask you to participate in the reading here in verse 18. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Say that with me. They tried all the more to kill him. I mean, this is an elevated response to his healing on the Sabbath day. Uh, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Let let me ask you to read that with me. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. (laughs) Let me repeat that. For you dads, you'll get this. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Boy, you got to hear that again. Verse 23, that all, say it with me, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life 
and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. (laughs) He's crossed over from where? From death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Verse 28, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear the voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. (laughs) You got to hear this. For I seek not to please myself. What did Jesus say? For I seek not to please myself. Say it with me, but him who sent me. There's his posture. His supervisor is his father. Boy, I want to tell you that I believe kind of a a high aerial shot of this teaching from Jesus is that real life and true joy come from pleasing God or specifically come from pleasing Jesus. Real life and and true joy come from pleasing Jesus. (laughs) Fear and guilt come from primarily pleasing people alone and stopping there. John had his, John was fascinated with uh, this relationship that the father had with his son. He writes about it not only in this chapter, he writes about it also in 1 John chapter 1. Fascinated by the relationship that the father and the son had with one another. And I think it was that relationship, that fellowship that helped him endure tough times. According to the historian Tertullian, John was uh, persecuted in the Ephesus area by being dropped in to a barrel of boiling oil in his senior years. (laughs) Uh, Dropped into a barrel of boiling oil and uh, excommunicated, sent out by himself on this island of Patmos. Wow. How many of you are thinking, I would love some persecution this summer? Uh, This is on the east side of the Aegean Sea, and I would, I I don't want to under, uh, understate what it would be like to have your skin completely, um, you know, uh, covered with, uh, with uh, (laughs) ugly after the boiling oil. But after a while, after lots of dips in this uh, sea, I would imagine John adjusted. I don't know if he had folks with him when he was on Patmos. Um, I would hope that he had some time once his body healed to do some, uh, some snorkeling, maybe some spearfishing, maybe a little crab and abalone uh, diving, that he actually started to find great joy again, uh, even amidst his suffering. And, you know, this was the very island where Jesus himself appeared to John. They say in as late as 90 uh, A.D., face-to-face, Jesus appeared to him and gave him what we have recorded in Revelation. Uh, This was where it happened. Uh, My point is that sometimes when life couldn't be more difficult, (laughs) you're dipped in oil. Has any of that happened to you uh, recently? Uh, God still has a way to provide you uh, transcendent, joy, and life in the midst of hard times. Um, Because you put him first, you please him first. This happened on the island of Patmos. I think it looks like a great time. 
Let me ask you, how do you think you experience this real life and joy that comes from pleasing God? How do you do it? Let me give you just two directives to consider uh, because one or two of them may be something that is outside of your kind of uh, mindset right now. The first is this. The way we please God is a willingness to do that which we perceive as impossible. Impossible. Doing the impossible. Now, it might not be impossible for most people, but for you, it's, ah, I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. We don't do that. (laughs) Uh, Think through this, of how many times Jesus commands the impossible. How about this? Let's walk through John, where we've been so far. (laughs) The wedding at Cana of Galilee. Mary tells the servants, do whatever he says, and the servants are told, go fill those 30-gallon jars with water in the middle of a wedding. Why? (laughs) No one's using them for cleaning. (laughs) For some, it would have been a real burden, a real hassle. It could be considered (laughs) undesirable at all. Or how about for uh, this uh, paralytic who's seated on it or laying down on a mat there at the sheep gate that... Uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago, and Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and, and walk. What? Impossible. <laughs> Jesus asks often for that which is impossible. He'll ask you, he'll put you on the spot and say, I want you to do this. Or how about his dialogue with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, when he says to her, uh, hey, how about, how, would you like to have some water that springs up to eternal life? He's talking to a woman who's had trust issues with men for most of her life. And she's been ostracized, stigmatized. And Jesus uh, instead asks her to trust him. Impossible that she, a woman, would again trust a man. But she trusted him. It changed her heart and it changed all of Samaria. It's a willingness to do the impossible. How about Jesus in John chapter 6 when he's with probably 15 plus thousand people? And he says to all of them, how are we going to feed these people? <laughs> what do you mean, how are we going to feed them? Uh, and Jesus says, let's figure this out. Figure it out, boys. And a little, a little boy comes up and says, hey, I've got my lunch I'm willing to share. <laughs> Impossible. Jesus says, give it to me. I want to suggest that often God is asking us to do that which for us is just impossible. Hey, last month, I, I experienced this. It's not miraculous, but there was, a, there, were a couple, there was one thing I did not want to do last month. Very busy month for me. I didn't want to travel and go to a wedding. <laughs> I just wasn't interested. It was a wedding of one of my distant uh, relatives, and the idea of going, just the selfish in me was like, oh, I got to miss a whole weekend of work. I gotta, it's going to cost me to do this. Oh, do I have a brother out there who's like, okay, it happened to me once. All right, thank you. Uh, I just didn't want to go. And uh, I had a conversation with my wife, five to ten over the last few months. And she said, Scott, this is important. It's, this is not about you. This is about the family. She had to repeat that over and over again until finally I was like, praise the Lord, I'm, I'm going to a wedding. And uh, I booked the flight. And then I I really got a prompting. That act of obeying the impossible for me wasn't interested. I love my family, okay? I just didn't want to sacrifice that much. I was thinking a card, you know, and maybe a Subway gift certificate would do. (laughs) Okay, cheapy. Yeah, I know. If you don't like me right now, I'm all all right with that. I've got issues. But I, uh, I decided I'm going, and I got another prompting. I said, you know what? 
I'm going to go to my niece's wedding, and my brother's birthday is this Friday. He lives in Columbia, Missouri. It's his 40th. None of my family has any idea that I am thinking this, and I decided I'm going to that too. I'm, if I'm spending money, I'm going to spend all I got. And uh, so, so I, I didn't tell my mom or my sister. I didn't tell anyone. I'm going to go surprise my brother. I walk in. Nobody knew I was going to be there. And my family was just like, what are you doing here? And I said, bro, you only have 140th. It's today. I want to be here. It was, for me, those are things I wouldn't normally do. I'm a tightwad. I can be kind of selfish. <laughs> and uh, yet I felt like, for me, that was impossible. God was asking me to, to stretch. And I did. And it, the last couple weekends have just been a real, um, have been a real gift to me. How about you? What is it for you that uh, can be impossible? What has, been, what has Jesus been commanding you to do that seems impossible? Here are a few uh, considerations for you. Maybe your impossibility is going forward with a, prayerfully with a business opportunity that just sounds ridiculous to you, but you've, you've got this something packaged in you that you want to let out. <laughs> and maybe by faith you say, if the Lord wills, I'm going to go for this. Maybe it's uh, spending some time with a friend or your spouse without any interruptions and just getting away and trusting God with those conversations and what might happen together without the kids, W-O-K, without the kids, just being together. For some of us, that's as scary as heck, (laughs) but we need to do it. Maybe it's uh, personally just owning that uh, you were wrong and saying to someone, hey, I was wrong, please forgive me. And just owning it. There's nothing more freeing than that. Maybe it's conveying to someone that what they did really hurt you. (laughs) And just saying, hey, I just need to get this off my chest. What you did really hurt me. (laughs) Maybe it's someone cuts you off. You pull them over. I need to tell you what you did really hurt me. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Maybe it's restoring a relationship. Or for the first time in a long time, trusting the people closest to you. Uh, Going (laughs) For me, this would be a stretch. Going on a developing world mission trip requiring a 13-hour flight in economy class uh, airlines. Uh, Maybe for you, that's obeying the impossible. How about this? Going on a hospital visit to see uh, a family member of a fellow employee, breaking away from your own schedule, and uh, having some compassion that can ooze out on your own schedule. Or maybe it's going to see a neighbor that you know is having a hard time and just bringing them something or going and saying, hi, how you doing? What's going on? Um, Maybe for you it's giving for the first time. (laughs) You've never given to a church and uh, you believe in the mission uh, of a church like ours is bringing Jesus hope to an imperfect world. And uh, for you, giving is the last thing you ever want to do. And yet you're feeling compelled that, you know what, I want to do something here. Um, Or just uh, going over and being with someone. Uh, it's funny, this week, no exaggeration, twice I ran by a neighbor's house morning and night, and uh, they had a lot of vegetation growing up on their grass. It wasn't grass. It was, you know, weeds. And uh, I kept running by, and I, I have a relationship with the Homeowners Association in our community, and I, uh, I, didn't, want my, I didn't want my neighbors to get tagged. And so I, first I ran by, and I'm like, oh, man, too bad. <laughs> And then, the, then a few days later, I thought, you know what, I need to go ask. Maybe I could mow their yard for them or something like that. So I went and knocked on the door, and no one answered. And uh, my conscience felt better at that time. 
And uh, I thought I knew these, these homeowners. I actually thought they were friends of mine. They had attended church here before, actually. And uh, so um, they didn't answer the door. And Friday night, I haven't talked to these folks in nine months. Friday night, they call me. I'm like, what? They never answered the door. Why are they calling me? They must have peeked through and thought, oh, gosh. But their conscience got to them. They called me, and they said, uh, Scott, uh, we, we've got a Girl Scout event. We're looking for a place to host it. Uh, could you help? And I'm like, I'd love to. We'd love to host it here. And the conversation went on. I haven't talked to this gal in, I, it must be a year. I don't know. And I said, hey, I came by your house the other day. And they said, really? I said, yeah. Uh, I wanted to know, do you need, is everything okay? Do you need help with your yard? They said, oh, that's not our house. That's our neighbor's house. I was like, oh, wrong house, wrong house. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think the spirit works when we care about people, <laughs> that he's working. <laughs> and they've been on my mind. Uh, for me, it was impossible. I don't like knocking on someone's door. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm immediately categorizing myself as maybe a Kirby vacuum uh, salesman. I don't mind those guys. I like them. But when they say 20 minutes, they mean two and a half hours. Let's be honest. And uh, so I, uh, but for me, sometimes those awkward moments are impossible. Jesus asks us to obey the impossible. I really do. I believe that. He's going to stretch you. He's going to push you to obey him. Uh, Jesus said it. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Here's, here's the key. Uh, you have to will to obey. You have to will to obey. You will to obey. You will to take that first step. And you trust the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to empower you to continue taking those steps. You just will to obey. You will to take the first step. And then you trust the Spirit of grace to give you the strength to continue to move forward a step at a time. Uh, Paul said it this way, that God is working in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's working in us. To obey, to obey for us that which is contrary to our default, selfish, sinful nature. And to follow the Spirit, you will to obey. Here's a, a prayer I want you to consider this morning. Here it is. God, I do not want to please myself. I want to please you. Help me obey you with this impossible. What is it for you? That's just been overwhelming to you. And yet you, you feel like the Spirit is saying, hey, this is what I need to do. I want to lead you in a prayer right now to that end. Let's just pause for a moment. Uh, Spirit of Jesus, I just ask that you open our hearts this morning to know how you're leading us. We know that there are, uh, there's things in front of us that are overwhelming very uncomfortable, and yet you're asking us to face them. Not alone, though. Will you please show us uh, that scary step in front of us of uncertainty uh, that you've allowed it to be there, and you're commanding us to take that step and obey, not for ourselves, but to please you. Help us do the impossible today. Take a step that direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Obey the impossible. For you, maybe that's your first step of enjoying true life, real life and pure joy, is just taking a step, and uh, who knows? You see how 
God will help you do that. Real life and true joy come from pleasing God. Fear and guilt comes from pleasing people. Uh, The first step is obey the impossible. The second is this. I love this. Honor Jesus, love people. In that order. Honor Jesus, love people. It's not either or. It's both and. But it's first, honor Jesus and love people. Look at this resume of Jesus that's in, uh, that's in John 5. If, if you're in uh, any uh, related law or you're in any, any related uh, um, legal matter, you'll see here that Jesus is identified as God's son whom all judgment has been entrusted. Look at verse 22. The father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son. And then in verse 23, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. John was just so attracted to the relationship Jesus had with his Father. Like a young boy or young girl who sees the very unique relationship a father-son has or a mother-daughter, he was so attracted to Jesus' relationship with his Father. He wanted to be a part of it, and he says we can be. This fellowship is ours Here's Jesus' resume. Jesus is honored in John 5 as uh, the one who does what the Father does, the one who sees what the Father does, the one who raises the dead and gives life. That's Jesus who does that. He's been given that power. The one to whom all judgment has been given. Sometimes we live in a culture, do not judge. (laughs) We don't judge. We need to remember, Jesus judges. Jesus judges. If it helps you, there's Judge Judy, and then there's Judge Jesus. Uh, The one to whom all judgment has been given, the one whose voice everyone will hear. Everyone will hear his voice. And finally, the one who didn't please himself. What an example. Let me ask you, when's the last time you gave significant honor to God without fearing men? We enjoy watching uh, people like Stephen Curry give constant uh, praise to God. I love this story. I read about one of our own adventurers uh, that happened this week, uh, and her son, her five-year-old son, Aiden. Uh, this is uh, Mindy Johnston's son. This is what she wrote on Facebook. I told her this morning I was going to read it. Here it is, of a young boy who, who honored Jesus. Here it is. Proud mom moment. I got to watch my five-year-old witness to someone today. I cannot stop playing it over and over in my head. We were sitting at a picnic table for lunch on his field trip, and he was getting a headache from the heat. He leaned towards me and asked if I would pray for him. I did quietly, and when he said amen, I looked up. Another little boy across the table started this dialogue with her five-year-old son. Were you just praying to God? The boy asked. Aiden said, yes. I don't feel good, so I asked my mom to pray for me. The boy said, does your culture believe in God? Aiden said, looking confused by the new word culture uh, piece, yes, I believe in God, Aiden said. The boy said, cool. I don't actually believe in God. My culture doesn't believe in anything. To which Aiden responded, wow, (laughs) you know about God, but you don't believe in him? My mom says different people believe different things, and that's okay, but you might go to hell. The boy, unfazed uh, by hell, the boy, unfazed by hell, said, I've read about God, and I know there's an underworld that people call hell. Aiden said, why don't you believe in God? The boy said, without hesitation, 
Because every time I've prayed, I've never heard God speak. Aiden said, excited, oh, you're just confused. Praying is for us to talk to God. When God answers our prayers, we hear the answers in our heart, not our ears. The boy said, quietly mulling this over, you hear him in your heart. I've never heard God in my heart. To which, again, five-year-old PhD in theology, Aiden said, well, that's because you said you don't believe in him. If you want God to speak to your heart, you have to ask him to live in there first. I can show you sometime if you want. The boy said, he'll live in my heart? (laughs) Confusion. Aiden said, yep. It sounds weird, but it's not. God lives in my heart, and I pray every day. I don't hear him in my heart every day, but some days I I, I feel him there and hear him answer my prayers. The boy said, I think I'll find a book to read about that. Aiden said, good idea. You should ask your mom for a Bible. It explains everything. (laughs) Let me tell you, I think we live live in a society that, that that chooses not to honor God, but instead spend a lot of our, a lot of our language honoring people. We can't help but talk about people. And honor people, honor athletes, honor actresses like uh, Jennifer Aniston or actors like Matt Damon or uh, athletes like LeBron James or businessmen like Mark Zuckerberg, uh, vocalists like Carrie Underwood. We, We tend to spend a lot of our time honoring them, putting attention on them. Let me say also, we tend to be, especially our culture, spend a lot of time honoring ourselves. doing whatever we can to look like we, you know, came out of a magazine, uh, doing everything we can to come off like uh, we're Ivy League. Uh, it's, we call it narcissism. Uh, and I want to tell you that it's not going to give you the real life that you want. Uh, h- how do we move away from placing so much honor on people, even on ourselves, and enjoy the, the good life of honoring God, of not not giving in to the fear and guilt of pleasing people, but instead enjoying the real life of honoring God. How do we do it? Here's how. You choose to honor Jesus and love people in that order. Here's the rationale. Because God loves people so deeply, we honor him. And we love the people with the strength he gives. This might look like asking that supervisor or customer out to lunch to say, hey, uh, what do you need from me? Especially that one that intimidates you. This might look like showing respect to someone placed in authority over you, like David did to Saul. Uh, this might look like asking to meet with that colleague whom it seemed, seems has cracked the code in your field, humbling yourself instead of being jealous and becoming teachable. This might look like treating someone delicately when, it's, when it isn't natural. This might look like uh, giving someone the benefit of the doubt. Most importantly, this might look like following the Spirit's prompting, like Aiden did, and asking someone about their faith background and telling them, it's in the Bible, check it out. Honoring the Son and loving people did not come easy for John. He had to change. Do you remember this narrative? John and James got perturbed because the Samaritans would not let Jesus walk through Samaria. Do you know what they said to Jesus? Would you like us to call down fire and destroy all these people? Yeah, it's funny, this narrative never made it in the Gospel of John. Only Luke caught this. I guess John wanted to forget this. Jesus rebuked him. 
we don't treat people like that. <laughs> we honor Jesus, and we love people. You can do both. You can do them very, very well. Jesus said this. He, he said of himself that whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed over from death to life. Have you made that decision? Is there anyone here that's never made that decision to believe in Jesus as the one who uh, helps us inherit eternal life and cross over from death to life in every area? Maybe you haven't. Maybe today that's your prayer. I'm ready to believe in Christ. Uh, And if you already have, maybe you're ready for the next step. (laughs) It's uh, climbing into water just like this at Patmos and letting us dip your body into water. This is what believers did when they placed faith in Jesus. They were baptized into water. And we're going to have a baptism Sunday on uh, July the 17th, coming up in uh, a little more than a month. Uh, if you've not made that decision, why not choose that Sunday to, uh, to go public with your faith? Um, and if that's your decision, let us know on our Connect card. Make a note. I'm ready to learn about baptism. We're, we want to do it. We think it's, it's critical for your own uh, faith experience that you're, 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 that you're honest with the public about your faith in Jesus. Real life and joy come from pleasing God. Fear and guilt come from pleasing people. It matters to God that we enjoy life abundantly. It does. Jesus said, I, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life. And life is measured by peace and joy and Christ in us, his righteousness. Imagine yourself willing to obey what otherwise seems impossible to you. For me, it is. It's a 13-hour flight uh, on, a, on an airline to Cambodia or to Russia. Uh, there's something about that economy class that I just struggle with. And that first class, I, if it could come to me free, I'd be all in, especially on a few airlines where you get a small bedroom. Uh, imagine yourself willing to obey what otherwise seems impossible. Imagine yourself honoring Jesus and loving people, not giving into fear and guilt uh, of pleasing people, but honoring them the way God honors them. Join me in prayer, won't you? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, passage that reminds us that all authority has been given to your son, Jesus. Uh, we honor him, we won't go wrong. We put him first, we won't go wrong. Help us do that. Help us know that which you're calling us to obey that otherwise seems impossible. Help us to see the balance of honoring your son Jesus and loving people simultaneously. And if anyone's here and you've never made the decision to place your trust in Jesus, to believe in him, why not now? What would hold you back from trusting in God's Son who suffered on a cross for your sins? And if that describes you, I want to ask you to just pray this prayer with me. uh, Straight from the Gospel of John. God, today I believe in you. I believe that you were sent to me for eternal life. and, uh, And that you died for my sins. I want to make you the leader of my life today. Again, I want to make you the leader of my life today. Uh, Maybe it's uh, you you just want to rededicate yourself to making Jesus the leader, the Son of God. 
If that's your prayer today, I want to acknowledge it. I'd like you, right from where you're seated, to raise your hand just so I can see, yeah, today I rededicated my heart to Christ, or today I made a first-time decision to believe in Him. Anybody say yes to Christ today? Raise your hand. I want to celebrate your decision. All right, David. Anybody else say yes, Lord? Lord, fill us with your joy. Fill us with your life abundant. And help us. Help us please you and not focus on pleasing people or even ourselves because that just leads to fear and guilt. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're dismissed today, I want to invite you to uh, stop by the prayer room if you'd like special prayer. Uh, Right on your right, you can go in and we would love our prayer.